Have you ever in all your life seen such a contrast between those women and that mild-mannered man there, those wild women? Anyway, that's uh, got our attention anyway. Great to see you all this morning, and uh, I'm still uh, enjoying the challenge of getting to know everybody. That uh, are about 200 names that I've needed to uh, get in my head here, and I think I've only called two this morning by the wrong name, so... Uh, uh, I'm sorry about that, Shelly, Shelly Cormier. She asked me what her name was, and I just had a blank. And, and then uh, Roland, uh, got his, I called him Mike, I think, because I know a Mike with his last name. So anyway, we're going to get this together. Just keep be patient, and uh, we're looking forward to some, some great things in these days, and especially this Christmas thing that's being planned. I'll tell you, that is going to be exciting, and I know you're going to want to be telling everybody you know about it and to be here yourselves. Well, we're talking about the power of the Word. And I couldn't help but think as I was preparing and thinking about all of this, what if I told you here this morning, I want every one of you in this place to feel good. Is there something wrong with that, feeling good? You know, I've heard preachers criticize for preaching feel-good messages. So do you go to church to feel bad? Is that the idea? Do you go to church so that you can kind of just go out of there, you know, somber and feeling like you wish you had never gone? Um, or do you go away, should you go away feeling better than you ever felt in all your life? I remember we had uh, this lady back a number of years ago who was heard about our church and she was very critical. So our neighbor said, well, why don't you come and find out what's going on? So she came and she met me at the back and she said, oh. I've never been anything like this in all my life. She said, this is wonderful. She said, where I used to go to church, now hear it, I used to go to church, it was like a funeral. Well, I think some people think you should be feeling bad when you go to church like you're feeling when you go to a funeral. And by the way, that woman became a Christian. Her son became a Christian. He's in this church today, very involved, very active, because they came to a place where they could feel good. I say hallelujah for feeling good. And, and I want, my goal is that, you know, that everybody feel the best they possibly can that God, that God would have for us to feel, because the Bible says he came to give life and to give it more abundantly. Doesn't sound like to me that's giving you something to make you feel bad. So make you feel better and to experience all that was meant for you to experience in life. So, if I told you there is a way for you to feel good, would you be interested? Well, good enough. I'm glad one or two are, and maybe the rest of you will want to join in here. Now, there is one way that we can all feel good, and that is to be growing. We've all got to be growing if we're going to feel the very best that we can possibly Feel. Now, some of you would like to be shrinking. I understand that. But I'm talking about a different kind of growing and growing so that we are experiencing the best in having all the peace that God meant for us, all the self-confidence He meant for us, all the self-respect that He meant for us to enjoy, all the capacity, all the capability, all the discipline, all the accomplishments, the right attitudes, everything that can help us to to experience life to its very fullest, which is really to be Christ-like. I remember talking about 
feeling bad going to church and feel bad. We had a guy way back that came here, and he would come and get uplifted. But he said, every once in a while, I feel like I need a good spiritual beating. And what he would do would go to one of these churches where they just preached hell, fire, and judgment, and brimstone every Sunday, and how that no matter what you did, it wasn't good enough. And so he would go over there once in a while and get his beating, and then he'd come back here and uh, get the kind of thing that would hopefully help him to feel good. Well, the great separator in life is growing. That separates those who are, who are half dead from, to, from those who are fully alive and experiencing life at its very best. I read something just this past week that's kind of interesting. It, it was a warning to those who get into the Word of God. This is a warning. This book is habit-forming. Regular use causes loss of anxiety, decreased appetite for lying, cheating, stealing, hating, and immorality. The symptoms of those who read this book increase sensations of love, peace, joy, and compassion. Well, don't you think that if a person has increased love, joy, peace, compassion, that they're going to feel better? And it seems to me if we're going to be at our best, we should feel our best, at least feel the best than what God intended for us to feel. So the best food for us in order to get feeling the way we could be and should be feeling is the food of the Word of God. Nothing in this world that we should have more respect for than the Word of God. There may be a lot of people we have respect for, a lot of things that we could have respect for, but there's nothing that should be any more highly regarded and highly respected and appreciated than the Word of the living God. And I think before we're finished with this this morning, you'll understand why that is so very, very important. And the more we use it, and really, as I got into this, I just realized how true this really is. The more you use it and you're into it, the more powerful it becomes for our everyday living and all the challenges that we are called upon to face in life. And so as I think of that wonderful word, there are many things about the word that I want to uh, talk to you about today as we think of the power of that word. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we read these words. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It is powerful. You know, we all have access to the power that produces these lights and all the other things that we're enjoying here today. And uh, we have that, of course, in our, in our homes. But uh, there's a power plant someplace that is producing all of this power that you and I have access to. God is the power plant, and we need to have access to that power plant, and we can have access to that power plant by getting into the Word and praying that Word into our lives. As we meditate on that Word, there's a, there's a little acronym that says SOAP. It's not original with me, but it just simply means this. The S stands for the Scriptures. You've got to read the Scriptures for sure, and if they're going to be of any value to you. And 
O stands for observing those scriptures, thinking about those scriptures as you get into them and as you read them. A stands for applying those scriptures. And P stands for, or so a P, what does P stands for? Prayer. That's right. I'm sorry. Thank you, Margo, for helping me. Because it is prayer that helps you to get that word into you so that it changes you and makes a difference in your life. I am not a big fan of just reading a whole lot of scripture all at once. I'm a fan for sitting down and reading that scripture, praying over that scripture, praying what that scripture says, praying it into your spirit, thinking about it, and that takes sometimes some real time and effort and energy to do that. But then when we do that, that is how we experience the power of that word so that it comes alive to make a difference. And it does penetrate all those things that need to be dealt with in our lives to make the difference in our life. Let me ask you this. If I were to say, well, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was a, a weapon that was um, discovered or a weapon that was invented, a weapon that was invented that could penetrate the enemy without there being any fallout on the innocent people. So that, for example, it was a smart weapon that could go over into Mosul right now, and it could hit all of those people who are holding those people captive, and, and, uh, and, and without killing anybody else, it was just so smart, it could pick those up so that every enemy that would be evil could be destroyed by that weapon. Well, let me say this to us this morning. This book, my friends, that you and I have access to has everything in it that can destroy everything that is unlike Christ and destroy everything that's the enemy of our life and destroy everything that could hold us back and hurt us and hold us down from experiencing the best and feeling the best. And I want to read to you a verse that's not going to be on the screen, but is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. It says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And that weapon, my friends, is the word of the living God. Think of it. That weapon has every power to, to demolish. There's some powerful words in that scripture. To demolish, destroy all the strongholds that the enemy would try to defeat us with. And so, is it any wonder that it's so critical and wonderful for us to be able to get into that word and experience that word? And so we have to read the scripture. We have to observe the scripture. We have to apply the scripture. We have to pray over the scripture. Soap. And uh, the Bible talks about being cleansed by the word. And that's something that just has to be ongoing every day in our lives. There's three or four, five things maybe here I want to share with you concerning the word. First of all, the word is true. It does what it says it is going to do. In the 33rd Psalm, in the fourth verse, it says, The word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. In other words, you read that word, you believe that word, you pray over that word, 
You apply that word, and God will do through that word what he said he would do. Some of us don't always do what we say we're going to do. But thank God we serve a God who is not going to fail in that. The scripture says he will do what he says he's going to do. Aren't you glad for that this morning? You can depend on that. You can know that for sure. He is faithful in all he does. Now, there are people, and this is more of a trend today in the last 50, 100 years perhaps than ever before in history, who say, well, there's parts of the Bible I think we can believe, but there's other parts I don't see how we can believe that. So they, they, they decide themselves what part they're going to apply, what part they're going to leave out. So instead of God being the authority through his word, they become the authority. That doesn't make a lot of sense. How can we be the authority when God created us? He knows what's best for us. And then we end up deciding what we're going to take and what we're going to leave. That way the Bible loses all authority. And it really is of no value. But the, but the Bible says it is all true. It, is, it all needs to be applied. And we all need to look into that word and believe it and not be throwing out the parts that we don't like. John 17, 17 says this, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You know, thank God that the word is truth. Because you know something? Truth is always truth. It always was truth. It always will be truth. Truth never changes. Truth is truth. You know, they tried to bury truth when they buried Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and he is the word, of course. And as, as the Bible is the word, and, and they tried to bury truth, but Jesus rose again. And I'll tell you this, every time they try to bury the truth of this word, and nations have tried to abolish it, and atheists have tried to get rid of it, and infidels have tried to get rid of it, but this word of God lives on. The grass withers, the flower fades, but our word shall, God's word shall live forever. And my friends, no matter what man has tried to do to destroy it, I'll tell you, whenever they try to destroy truth, truth always rises again in the midst of the funeral procession to outlive the pallbearers. And whoever's tried to destroy truth and whoever's trying to destroy the truth of the word today, the word of God will live on because it is truth. And you can't kill truth. And so thank God that we have that truth for us today to guide us and to help us and to keep us on the right track. And then we read the Word of God is flawless. How thankful we are. The Bible says that concerning itself, Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is flawless. And here we go again. Here's this great weapon. He is a shield through His Word. The shield of faith, the shield of the Word of God. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Now, how do you take refuge in Him? I'll tell you how you take refuge in Him. Get into the Word. And as you get into that Word, it'll just jump out at you. It will come alive. It will, it will speak to you. You know, the Bible talks about, and I may have skipped over this, talks about the the Logos Word and the Rhema Word. The Logos Word is the entire Word of God. This scripture that we have before us, so that's the Logos Word. The Rhema Word is when you are reading a passage of scripture, 
and you are going through some challenge in your life, and all of a sudden, somehow that passage jumps out at you like it never did before in all your life. And that's the benefit of continually daily being into the Word as we are facing new challenges every day, new temptations every day, new pressures every day. And so there'll be different parts of the Scripture that will jump out at you and you'll say, I never saw that before. And you may have read it a hundred times before, but all at once because the Holy Spirit uses that Scripture for that particular situation that you're in, then it comes alive and it speaks to you and you are given guidance and strength and food to help you to keep going and growing to the glory of God. And so that's the benefit of getting into the Word on a regular basis. So it is flawless. Every Word of God is flawless. Read in Proverbs 35, He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Now, I know there's mysteries in the Word. I know there's things that we don't understand, but his ways are higher than our ways. And it's even not even meant necessarily for us to figure it all, every little thing out, because that just shows us to us that God knows more by a long shot than we know. But let me say this to us. Our lack of ability to understand it does not determine its truth. Its truth is truth whether we fully understand it or not. And as we get into it, the more we get into it, the more we will understand what we can apply to our lives. 2 Samuel 22, 31 says, As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields us. There's that word, shields us again. Who All who take refuge in Him through His word. I'll tell you, my friends, we have one powerful tool at our disposal. You talk about a weapon of mass destruction. This weapon is a weapon of mass destruction to defeat every enemy that would, that would try to make our life difficult, everything that would take away from our experience in life to its fullest. We can find answers to this in this book. Now, i got to say this, even though I think I probably said the last time I spoke, you're not going to get enough of that by just coming here on Sunday mornings. If people are expecting that they're going to get all they need to be able to fight the enemy the way the enemy needs to be fought by just listening to what a preacher is saying. Let's say the preacher that was, is here was the greatest teacher on the face of this earth. That is still not going to be enough to sustain us on a daily basis. That is the reason that we need to get into the Word daily and let, and let that Word come alive. Let the rhema Word speak to us and show us what we need for that particular situation at that particular time. So the Word of God is flawless. The Word of God is unfailing. So is my Word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. He sent this Word that every person in this place, no matter what your past has been, that you might be totally victorious in your life in everything. Everything that you are challenged by, everything you're having to deal with, every person you're having to, the answer is truly in the Word. Now, I know that's easy for me to say, and some people would just say, oh, that sounds like pie in the sky, sweet by and by stuff and spiritual stuff that is not really attainable, is not really practical. I'll tell you, my friends, I could not mean this more than what I am saying it right now. The more you get into this, the more you will see how it will meet every last 
need in your life, but you've got to meditate on it. You've got to pray over it. You've got to pray it into your heart if we're going to see that happen to the degree that God wants it to happen in our lives. So it never, <laughs> the Word of God never has bad days. It's always going to be there to meet our needs and to minister to us and to speak to us if we are open to letting it work. And then we read in uh, 55, uh, Isaiah 55, my word does not, so my word that goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me empty. It will accomplish. Now listen, think of that. It will, it definitely will accomplish what I desire. And what does he desire? He desires for all of us to be victorious in everything. That's what he desires. So it will accomplish what he desires if we let that word speak to us, and we're into that word, and allow it to take charge of every part of our life, and it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You know, not only is that purpose to help everybody that knows Christ in a right relationship with Him to be totally victorious, but it also, as it goes forth, it causes people, and there's people here today most likely that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it causes those people to hear there is hope. And we had some people here last, and in fact, every Sunday there's been people come to know Christ. And that's been going on for a long time. Because they are hearing the word. And the word is making the difference. There's hope in that word that helps them to have believability. We had some people invited by some others here last Sunday, here for the first time. And they received Christ in the service last Sunday because that word would accomplish what God desires for it to accomplish. It will not return empty. And then the word is eternal. The grass withers in Isaiah 48. The flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Now listen, here's what I think we need to think about in relation to that. That word does not change. That word is truth, and truth stays the same as it was truth 2,000 years ago. It's truth today. So we, we need to stand on the word. Now, what do I mean by that? We do not stand on changing, shifting culture. Culture keeps changing and keeps saying that what used to be is no longer what it was, and we don't have to go by the way things were or whatever. And I know there are some things in the past that should never have been. Some things that man has added to religion that the Bible has nothing to say about at all, and man have had their own ideas. But if we stick to the Word of God, we need to stand on the Word of God no matter what culture is saying to us is right and wrong. It's the Word of God that we live by and die by and stand by. And I wonder where things will keep going if we don't have something that we can stand for and end up falling for anything because we don't stand for anything. So the Word of God, you know, I just uh, had something happen to me as I was preparing this message. It just seemed like it was a godsend. I received a text from Jeremy McDonald. Some of you would know Jeremy. He used to be the head of our youth ministry here and did a fantastic job. He's now working with Kerry Newoff and Andy Stanley and just doing a terrific job. And so he sent me this information that he had read in McLean's magazine about mainline churches 
mainline denominations, many of which no longer believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, no longer believe, and I'm not trying to, I don't want to be trying to put down other denominations, but we have to tell the truth. And, and I've had some of those people in those denominations who have said to me, if we keep going the way we are now going, we are in free fall and we will soon be extinct. These were places that once preached the gospel. That's when their churches were built. When they were preaching the gospel, there was great revival. People's lives were being transformed. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were being saved because they preached the word, and now they don't even believe the word. Sad story. And so, however, here's the good news. In some of those denominations, McLean's Magazine pointed this out. I haven't read the I read it online, what it said, but I haven't seen the, the magazine that Churches where they are contending for the living, inspired Word of God and continuing to preach the Word of God and the truth of God the way the truth of God has been preached. And that's what caused them to become whatever they became when they were flourishing and going forward. Those churches here and there throughout Canada are the churches in those denominations that are alive and growing today. Because they're preaching the living word of the living God. Hallelujah. For the word. And so that's, I'm telling you, it's just as clear as crystal. There's no fuzziness about it at all. Getting into that word, the power of that word, the power of the word in people's lives to change them is a thing that's going to cause the church to be strong, alive, marching forward to the glory of God. It is Hebrews 1.3 says, an unstoppable power. Unstoppable power. Look what it says. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Nothing can, nothing ever has, nothing ever will stop the word of the living God. If we stick to that word, it is what is going to make all the difference in the world. Let me just give you this one little example. We have in this church now Celebrate Recovery. It's a wonderful, wonderful program, but it's faith-based. It's based, the answers for people coming out of their addictions is based totally on the living word of God. And the, and the, the organizations that base their recovery programs on the word of God are by far the ones that have the greatest results because it is the power of the word that gets into their hearts and minds and, what's and is what brings deliverance and change. I've talked to some of those people and, and known some who have been addicted for 25 years and they talk about the word and how that word changed them and how that word uh, made the difference in their lives and it can make a difference in anything that we are dealing with that is unlike Christ to give us all we need to be everything that he would have us to be. So, thank you very much. I want to conclude this with a verse out of James that I just hope we can hear. And maybe it's on the screen here. Yes, it is. And I'm glad it is. I hope, I guess you can see it up there as well. Let's look at it very carefully. Do not merely listen to the word so that you deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man looks in, who looks at his face in the mirror 
I, I, I tried to think that through a little bit, and you're, I was going to say, your hair is all messed up, but you'd have to have hair for that to happen. <laughs> but, and you don't do anything about it. You're going to comb your hair, hopefully, as a result of what you see in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do so, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Now listen, listen. Look, this is real. This stuff is true. This stuff works. I, I, hope, we're, I hope we're understanding that. I hope the Holy Spirit is helping us to get this. This is what makes the big difference. Here's what it says. He will be blessed in what he does. What's that mean? You know what I think it means? I think one of the things it means, he wants you to feel good. Don't you think if a person is getting blessed, they're feeling good, they're feeling better, they're making progress, things are changing. We get into that word, we look into that word, we apply that word, then, my friends, it is a guarantee. I guarantee you, it is a guarantee, you will be blessed. Now, We all should be concerned about anybody here who's not doing that, has never done it, maybe doesn't know how to do it, because they have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this could be your day when you begin this journey to have this relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible has all kinds of things to say about that. The Word of God has all kinds of things to say about that. It says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive them. Isn't that wonderful? To know that He can look upon us just so we never ever committed a sin in our entire lives. Because he's willing to forgive all those sins. Then it says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. What does that mean? That means if I open up my heart because he's knocking at the heart's door wanting to come into my life. And I say, please, Lord, forgive me of all of my sins and come into my life and make me your child. God, by his power right then, at that very moment, makes you a child of God no matter what you feel or what you think. He will make you his child. He's never turned anybody Oh, he's never turned his back on anybody, never turned anybody down. You open up your heart, he's going to make you his child, sure as you're sitting in this place here today. And it's not your power that does that, it's his power that does that. And then what does it say? The Bible. Here's what it says to us. These things have I written. What's been written? What I just shared with you. These things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. Not hope so, maybe so, think so, feel so. No, that you know so. And you can know that because of the promises and the power in the word of the living 